वेलकम टू हिट बुल्स आईज पॉडकास्ट बिग बुल की पाठशाला वी हेल्प स्टूडेंट्स रियलाइज देयर करियर ड्रीम्स थैंक यू फॉर ट्यूनिंग इन एंड मेकिंग योर चॉइस टू सक्सीड इन योर करियर वेलकम टू हिट बुल्स आईज पॉडकास्ट वेयर वी आर ट्राइंग टू कीप यू अहेड ऑफ कॉम्पिटिशन बाय शेयरिंग करंट अफेयर्स टिप्स फॉर वेरियस एग्जाम्स एंड इंटरव्यूज विद एमिनेंट स्पीकर्स Make sure you follow the podcast and share this episode with your friends who are preparing for any competitive exam. I am Nitika and in today's episode we are going to cover release of AG pararivalan. Recently the Supreme Court invoked its extraordinary power under Article 142 while ordering the release of AG pararivalan. So let us understand in this episode who is AG Pirarivalan and how is he related to Rajiv Gandhi's assassination In 1991 Rajiv Gandhi the former prime minister of India was assassinated in Tamil Nadu Shri Perambadu Rajiv Gandhi entered the Indian politics in the year 1981 and became the member of parliament the same year He earned the landslide win and became India's youngest prime minister at the age of 40. He is well known for his works in the areas of technology, software, education and successfully settling up the militant rule or you can say the military tensions in Maldives via its military coup d'etat in Maldives. and restored the then president gayum's administration in the island nation so what happened that this most celebrated prime minister was cruelly or was ruthlessly assassinated for this let's get back to the history of sri lanka it is said that the entire assassination was planned by a sri lankan militant group LTTE which we are going to discuss later so let us start with where did it all began in 1948 sri lanka the then named as ceylon got its independence from the british regime at that time the sri lanka was dominated by the sinhala community which was a buddhist community and there were Indian Tamils present in the nation which counted for 23% of the population after the independence sinhala community wanted to establish a majoritarian state and they were threatened for the existence of indian tamilians in the nation during the british regime the indian tamils were forced to move to sri lanka to work in the fields and since then the indian tamilians they started to live there however in the post independence of sri lanka the indian tamilians were discriminated abruptly in 1956 the official language was stated as sinhala in sri lanka and further in 1972 a new constitution was framed in sri lanka in which they declared buddhism as their primary religion and the country changed its name from ceylon to sri lanka 
During the 1972 or during the 1970s, it was finally came up to the Indian Tamilians' mind that the Sri Lankan government is being highly biased regarding their rights and were not involved in any kind of peaceful or humanitarian efforts towards them. Which is why during 70s, several militant organizations were formed in Sri Lanka, and amongst which the LTTE. came out as the most powerful and most prominent militant organization in the country the ltte or the liberation tigers of tamil elam was a tamil militant group fighting for the rights of sri lankan tamils again uh, like i said it was the most powerful militant group at that time and it was headed by velupelai prabhakaran During the 80s the tensions between the militant group LTT and the Sri Lankan armed forces graved in fact after the 6th amendment in the constitution of Sri Lanka the situation worsened which led to the grave incidents like black july and even it gave birth to the civil wars in Sri Lanka during that time even indian peacekeeping forces or even indian government was quite tensed about the ongoing tensions in sri lanka of course it is a neighboring country and we are worried about uh, even we are and we were worried about the situation in our neighboring countries back then the indian armed forces has undertaken operation pumalai So this uh, operation Pumalai it was code named as the Eagle Mission 4 right so under this the humanitarian aids were provided to the northern and the eastern parts of the Sri Lanka where LTTE was uh, sustaining their operations right so during between the timeline of 1981 to 1985 it is even in india we faced several political turmoils as you know that 1984 our former prime minister indira gandhi ji was assassinated at that time so during the time uh, india was slightly uh, you know it paved its way away from uh, you know sri lanka and we were in, we were in itself struggling for the uh, political arenas right however during 1984 85 86 india started to take interest in the sri lankan internal matters and we decided to uh, to deploy the india's uh, to the peacekeeping forces in sri lanka's district where the civil war was quite aggrieved so during that time as you can see here that in 1987 finally the former prime minister rajiv gandhi he signed the peace accord with the sri lankan president that is j r jayawardene and basically this peace accord was to reinstate the peace settlements between the militant groups and the sri lankan government and according to this accord the all the militant organizations in sri lanka were supposed to surrender them and in return the sri lankan government was uh, delivering them their rights to stay in the country of course and even uh, you know all even the devolution of the power was also allowed under this accord however ltte feel betrayed due to this peace accord they wanted this peace accord to be between them and the sri lankan government but since india did not take stand with ltte in this peace accord so this has uh, actually created a kind of drift between india and ltte which is why it gave birth to the assassination 
so later on what happened was that earlier the peacekeeping forces were deployed in sri lanka to create the peace settlements between the sri lankan armed forces and the ltte whereas after this accord the peacekeeping forces in itself they found themselves in a situation where they started war with the ltte and you can imagine a situation when you are actually you know coming up to resolve the matter between two of your friends and later on what happens is that the the two friends they actually come together and now they stood against you so india was exactly in the same position back then so in 1990 however when vp singh was the prime minister the ipkf was returned back to india however during the 1990 lok sabha elections again ltte was suspicious that uh, there might be chances of rajiv gandhi coming back to the government and being the prime minister again which is why they had planned this assassination and finally when uh, rajiv gandhi he was on his tour he was on his rally to the tamil nadu this assassination was rightly planned in tamil nadu so let us understand why this matter was reviewed or recalled which dates back to 1991 so recently supreme court has invoked his extraordinary powers via article 142 and has released the convicted in this case ag perarivalan at that time ag perarivalan was 19 years old and it is mentioned that he has bought those two 9 volt batteries which was used by the woman named dhanu who carried who triggered the suicidal bomb which was tied along her waist so this 9 volt batteries were bought by uh, ag perarivalan and it was handed over to uh, sirivasan who is said to be the mastermind of this assassination now let us get to the timeline of this event so in 1998 a lower court has convicted ag perarivalan amongst 25 others under the terrorist and disruptive activities prevention act and they were sentenced to the death then further in 1999 even the higher courts have also upheld the decision and sentenced them for the death penalty right however in 2014 the supreme court has reduced the death penalty to the life imprisonment on account of their mercy petitions then further in 2015 he filed the mercy petition under article 161 with the governor of the state of tamil nadu article 161 provides governor the power to grant the pardons reprieves respite or remissions of the punishment or to suspend remit or commute the sentence of any person who is convicted of any offense against any law relating to the matter to which the executive power of the state extends so then further when this matter came to the tamil nadu government so he submitted his mercy petition to the tamil nadu state seeking the release under the article 
At that time, the cabinet of Tamil Nadu was headed by the Chief Minister Edapadi K. Palanaswamy, who recommended, of course, his cabinet recommended the release of all seven convicts, including the Perari Valan. However, the governor upheld this decision or governor upheld this petition and has kept it in it itself uh, without ongoing with the pardoning. Due to this cabinet saying yes to the release, it had actually created a stiff with the central government who argued that with this release, there might be some international ramifications of the decision. However, center also stated that, that this, this decision should be taken by the governor. The governor has kept this decision pending for over three to four years, due to which many a times in 2020 and 2021, the Madras High Court and the Supreme Court too has warned the governor for the inordinate delay, which is a compromising state as per the fundamental rights. So then fi finally in 2021, this file was moved to the president's office, but again it was delayed due to some reason or the other. And then finally Supreme Court took the call and decided on this matter while exercising the article 142. So let us understand what is this article 142 we are discussing over and over. So firstly, let's understand that Tamil Nadu's cabinet was actually agreeing to release these convicts but due to the delay in the governor's ordinance it had been subdued for over four to five years so finally supreme court has come up to the matter and has decided to take a call under the article 142 so the court has also dismissed while giving the ruling that the center's argument that the president exclusively and not the governor had the power to pardon any of the convict uh, in uh, in any of the case which is under section 302 of ipc saying that this contention would definitely render the article 161 so indirectly supreme court has said that center government's argument of uh, exclusively saying that only president can pardon uh, you know a murder case or president can uh, you know pardon a convict uh, you know under article 302 of any murder case was not was inappropriate as the governor under article 161 also holds the right for the same so if you know uh, this thing this thing would have been avoided by the supreme court then the 70 years of the governors pardoning the murderers uh, you know giving them the uh, pardons uh, in the last 70 years would have held invalid which is why the uh, supreme court held this argument as totally dismal so of course uh, we are talking about article 142 so this article it provides a discretionary power to the supreme court as it states that the supreme court in the exercise of its jurisdiction may pass such decree or they may uh, you know make uh, such order which is necessary for doing the complete justice in any cause or matter which is pending before it 
so even for example the cleansing of taj mahal or any kind of justice which is pending in front of the supreme court has shown the result of total justice only with this article 140 even during the evolution of this article many lawyers and even citizens they lauded the supreme court for bringing justice to the most deprived sections of our india also even during the bhopal tragedy case when you know the union carbide was the union carbide corporation the supreme court itself placed it above the laws of parliament or any state legislature and stated that it may pass any judgment to bring complete justice and in its itself it can you know pass any judgment which can go against any law if it is for making a complete justice to the citizens right in the supreme court bar association case however supreme court has held during that time that the article 142 is not to supplant any law rather it is to supplement the laws so over the period of times we have seen that supreme court has actually entered or given the judgment in the areas where it was forbidden due to the doctrine of separation of powers so the one such case as we can see right now is the ban on alcohol so as you must know that you know recently uh, the center government has also passed the law that uh, there has to be a ban on the sale of liquor uh, in the national highways however the supreme court has uh, put in a place uh, in this matter and they had put a ban on a distance of the 500 meters by invoking the act or by invoking this article 142 so we have seen it several times that supreme court has tried to make its stance over the laws of parliament or the state legislatures wherever they find it fit that whenever a person or a convicted person is being evaded from its fundamental right or from its right of complete judicial redressal which is actually the case of ag perariwalan the supreme court at that time will enter the arena and will pass any judgment so this has set as a benchmark judgment for the other six convicts now and uh, tamil nadu government may on the basis of this judgment may even uh, you know proceed further for the release of the six other convicts which are still in jail or they have been given the life imprisonment in this case it is now up to you to decide that you know who is wrong or who is right technically you know if we talk about the indian laws the indian laws are the supreme power in hands of people and the judicial redressal is our fundamental right so this is nitika signing off from this topic and i hope you like this video if you did like it please share it with your friends thank you so much everyone